Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of From the Tips. It is me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-host, Rick Landis. How we doing? Good buddy. What's up? I'm doing all right. Uh, people may have seen from uh, our Instagram story today uh, that God is teasing me mm-hmm. with putting a golf course right next to the house that I'm working at. Uh, so we're still on the fence of whether I'm bringing my putter tomorrow. Uh, the course was empty today. There was like two groups that went out. So wow. I'm thinking I might be able to get away with it, but we'll see uh, if I even have work tomorrow because it's kind of crappy out right now. And I think it's yeah, supposed true. to have a chance of being crappy all morning. So we will what see. You, what, you could, what you could do is you could tell your boss, be like, look, I'm just so committed to this job. I'm so bought I know in. We're, job. I know we're supposed to have off today because of the weather, but I, I want to go. And just put my eyes on it again. I won't do anything. I just want to look at it. I just want to look at it. Really survey what we're doing and putt. <laughs> just putt all <laughs> in, in the crap weather. Um, yes. But yeah, besides that, not too bad. How about yourself? Uh, good. Good uh, Good things so far. Uh, we're moving and grooving on the house right now. We just got the bedroom painted. Ooh, um, what color? Bed, uh, what is that color? It's some type of tan, gray-ish. Beige, in that area. like a beige. Not really beige-ish. It's a bit darker than beige, but uh, uh, like if, if I could describe the color to you, I would. I don't know what it is. I was dirt told, beige. hey, this is, she said, this is what we're painting the bedroom. And I said, okay. Types right, of that's tan color. <laughs> it's uh, tan gray, remember? It's like a tannish gray. Desert tan? See, it could be desert tan. For those of you who are not driving vehicles right now, feel free to follow along. Uh, you got to go to bear. You got to go to the bear website. Oh, okay. So we we gotta we gotta dissect this paint. Bear, find paint ideas and colors. Speaking of paint, you ever been to the Home Depot and done the thing where they like show you what it looks like in a room? No. What's oh? You mean on the computer thing? On the little screen there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. Uh, what? All color right, so I be under. I think it was in neutrals. Oh, okay. 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 And I'm almost positive. Almost. That's a lot of creamy mushroom. You should have done no, that if you didn't. It was not creamy mushroom. Should have done it if you didn't. Coconut shell. Alpaca blanket. Well, that should have been it. God, I wish we did alpaca blanket. Now. I feel like we're going to be settling on like harvest brown. No, that wasn't it. We looked at toasted almond, though. We looked at that color. I feel like we're in a different area from each other. Because <laughs> I don't have those colors. <laughs> Are you still in the pinks? No, I'm in the neutrals. The eight most yeah, popular but... neutrals. Yeah, so it says neutrals. Step two, select a shade of neutral. I don't see that. Goodness We're definitely on a different 
Was it stone? Was it stonewashed brown? It might have been. Either way, I digress. It was some sort of combination of tan and gray. Uh, it's a really nice color. I I like it a lot. Uh, I just didn't really, you know, ask for specifics. To be honest with you, uh, I was like, "What color furniture color are you putting with it? White? Whatever furniture we can get our hands on." To be honest with you, okay. um, we pretty much have a mixed match furniture situation now as it is. It, look, it's kind of going to be like a a house of items that we could find. You know, that's um, every first house. So yeah, and it, you and get you get what you can, and then room by room, you get new stuff. Yeah, and that's just how it's going to be for a little while, and that affects uh, that affects me none. I'm fine with that. Bed yeah. comes in on Friday. Ooh, uh, you know nice. we're we're moving and grooving. Really, I I got most of my bedroom packed up. It's uh, in bins in the house now. Uh, so my bedroom back in my grandparents' house is barren, uh, other than clothes and furniture. You just get a you just get a headboard and footboard for your bed. See, we want to get we we're in the middle of getting a headboard. Uh, we haven't okay. been able to find one. That Ellie likes yet, I'm pretty flexible on the headboard We're having situation. The same issue with Gina. Yeah, see, I'm very flexible on the headboard situation. You want that headboard? Let's get that headboard. That's see, fine me personally, me. I don't need a headboard, probably because right. I'm a dude and I don't think it's necessary. I think it's more of like an aesthetic thing. Uh, I think that... bed. I think bedside table works just as well. The problem with with our room is that there's not really a whole lot of room for the bedside table. Uh-huh. Because we got a king size bed. Now, why we got a king size bed? Don't ask me. I don't know. But we got one. Okay. Which, if for you folks that have Levittown homes, you will know that the master, well, the, the one room on the, the first floor that we are considering the master, because to hell with stairs, um, is 12 by 12. Now, a usual king size bed. King sized. For for reference, the room that I grew up in was ten by twelve, and I had a twin. Yes, bed. <laughs> yes. Um, is uh, why has it always got to be in inches? What the hell's wrong with you people? Um, hundred twenty inches is ten feet. Thank you. So it's seventy six inches by eighty inches. So for those of you that are, <laughs> that for those feet? of you that are curious, yeah, Four or six feet. It takes up most of the room. So we don't really have the option of a bedside table. Now, this is why we're going to need storage in the headboard. And what she likes is she likes the storage on the side of the headboard, kind of having like a thicker headboard. I really don't mind, to be honest with you. Uh, I can do a very small bedside table. I really don't need a whole lot. I just need Mm -hmm. a place to put the keys, the wallet, and the phone. Mm -hmm. Maybe a box of tissues. No, I don't. I don't need a whole lot. Just, uh, just a small space for, for my items. That's really all I need. But, yeah. So so far, you know, house stuff's been going well, and just kind of uh, moving, moving up, moving on with that kind of stuff and packing and all that fun jazz. But oh, yeah. uh, that's that's life right now, baby. That's life. Um, it's worth but, it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. But Rick, even more exciting news. It was the Honda Classic. It was even more exciting than that. Is there were there were things that happened in history on this day. I'm gonna be honest. Pretty right. much anything that happened ever is more interesting and important than the, the Honda Classic. Because <laughs> uh, the, there's nobody. Nobody. Um, we will talk uh, about it, obviously, but. 
There was a playoff. Yeah, though. it was. There was uh, a playoff. Gee, yeah, there was a playoff. But oh my gosh, some of that. Not really. Uh, not really too much going on there. Anyway, uh, sports history today, 1966. We're gonna throw a little racing your way. The eighth Daytona oh, 500 happened. I think this this just happened like a week ago, like the one for this year. So um, that's why we're gonna shout this one out. Uh, Richard Petty, who I I'm gonna be honest, I don't know nothing about racing. This dude looks like a stud. Have you ever seen Richard Petty? Hell yeah, man, Dick Petty, like, damn, damn right. That Look dude at that right man. There. What's going He's on? A stud. Uh, muffin. He came from two laps down to win the event after 198 laps were completed because of rain. So I guess it rained that day. Uh, and a contract of interest, which happened three years earlier, Mickey Mantle of the New York Yankees signed a baseball contract worth $100,000. Money just does not go as far as it used to. No, really? Mickey just... Mantle signed a contract for $100,000. Bryce Goodness Harper makes $100,000 every time he steps up to the plate. Yeah, he'll sneeze, and uh, he's, <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty good for for a good bit of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy, considering he's, like, historically one of the best baseball players that there ever was. Yeah. Um, now, did you did you see any of the Daytona 500 action from this? Uh... I don't watch racing. Dude, it was, it was dramatic, okay? So it came down. To I believe what they consider uh, an overtime situation. I don't know hmm. what happened. I don't know how it gets to this point, right? But it's almost like the movie Cars. If you ever seen it, the piston there's, there's cut. A, the piston cut. <laughs> he didn't want in his cup. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they had I think like the top five or something. Obviously, for those of you that follow racing and like punching your steering wheel right now. Like, uh, <laughs> like, you know, Gerald from Alabama is like, these two don't know nothing about racing. <laughs> uh, I think it's, I think it's the top five or, or what have you. Um, but one of the famous crybabies in NASCAR racing, Kyle Busch, uh, got wrecked in the overtime when he was, you know, I think he led for most of the race. And afterwards they were doing a little interview with Kyle and he went, who would they end up uh, giving the participation award to? And I was like, <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Salty much? Hey, if you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. As far as I'm concerned, True. Uh, I think there should be uh, more, uh, you know, moving and banging in, uh, in in NASCAR. I think that's, that's where all the energy is, as far as I'm concerned. Also, oh, I yeah, believe I mean, they should implement always... the right turn. That's a That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, racing is just so boring to watch when you're not there. Like, when you're there, it's a little better. But, like, on TV is just... Like, there's tiers of sports that you can watch on TV. And NASCAR is just at the very bottom of that. Like, there's... Very bottom. It's like, like, the top of the tier is, like, sports that you have to be watching the entire time and you have to be paying attention for the whole time the game clock is running. And then there's NASCAR, which is one of those things where, like... This dog rang the doorbell the bell again. I'm gonna kill him. Um <laughs> you know it's raining out there. <laughs> um, and then there's NASCAR at the very bottom of the list, which is like you can check in on it every 30 minutes and really not miss that much. 
Yeah, I could I could watch the beginning of the race stuff, which for the Daytona 500 is like the most interesting stuff. Like I'm sure you've seen the video of um, ooh, Paul Blart Mall Cop. What's his What's his name? What's his real name? Kevin James. Kevin James. You've seen the video of Kevin James doing the gentleman start your engines? Yeah, it's the most red. It's the most red blood American thing I ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, that's that's before the Daytona 500. Now that's exciting, right? Once that race starts, I could fall asleep. And mm-hmm. I could wake up at lap 499 and be like, wow, that was that was satisfactory. I'm glad I woke up for, for those last two laps because that's when all the action was happening. I don't need the other 498 laps. I don't you know. Need how, it. You know how little I know about racing? Hmm. I didn't I wasn't even aware that the Daytona 500 was because it was 500 laps. That's usually what the number behind any of the names is. It's the amount of laps. That's how little I know about racing. Now, you know what is exciting to watch? And for those of you that have seen the Drive to Survive series on Netflix, you'll understand what I'm saying. I am not very much into motorsports. Not my bag. Not not really my thing. Doesn't really excite me too much. However, when I tell you that the new season of Drive to Survive came out yesterday, and I am glued to this docuseries ever since uh, uh, season one, I think like four years ago. And all it does is follow every Formula One season and all the drama and all the races and all that. I live for it. I do not wake up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday to watch an F1 race. I'm not a true F1 fan. However, I'm a Drive to Survive fan. That stuff gets the juices flowing. Uh, I love it. I love it. Like, I know a bunch of names in F1 and know nothing else. Like, you could ask me, did you catch Monaco? And I'll be like, no. I was sleeping. That's, <laughs> that's a higher priority on my list of things to do. Uh, but it, there are there are some things where I think a sport could get a huge bump mm-hmm. from a TV show, much like which we will talk about full swing. And I believe NASCAR is getting one soon. So I'm interested to see how that will go with the NASCAR circuit. However, I find it difficult to really believe in a sport that involves driving a car but ignores turning right yeah i mean don't get me wrong driving a race car is extremely hard to do very difficult hand-eye coordination has to be like almost yeah and they're in really good shape surprisingly enough for people who just sit down for their sport they're in really good shape they gotta have that core strength it's not that fun to watch i just don't really Mm -hmm. understand the draw to it what is fun to watch for those uh you hillbillies uh from like outside the cities, uh much like Rick and I, um, if you find yourself your local dirt track, right, and you watch all the races that could be had on local like small dirt tracks out in the woods, I tell you what, that stuff, that stuff's fun to watch. You see little little tiny little cars, big old dudes, tiny little cars, um, just on this very short track, almost constantly turning. They never, they almost uh-huh. never drive straight at all because the track is so small. They are wheel to wheel, banging against each other, doing doing flips when they crash because there's almost nothing protecting them from the ground. It is intense to watch, and it's great because you know that guy on Monday has to go to his desk job. It's you know <laughs> he's not getting paid for this. He has to win to get paid, and that. <laughs> And that is exciting, folks. He only gets five hundred dollars if he wins. <laughs> yeah, right. He's he is now concussed and missing all of his top teeth. But by golly, he walked out with five hundred dollars and a smooch from the uh, from the flag girl. Good for him, you know. 
catching dubs left and right. <laughs> those are the kind of people that you find at the Q Mart. For those of you that don't know what the Q Mart is or haven't been to it, you're you're a little too posh city slicker for my likings. Missing okay? out. That's what you're, you're missing out because people watch it at the Q Mart. Oh, my parents oh, refuse. Oh. My parents refused to take me to the Q Mart for the first 16 years of my life because they were afraid I would like it too much and try to laugh. <laughs> <at me. laughs> Look, where are you gonna get your your Louis Futon and your your Gussy and, <laughs> and your uh polio uh Rodolfo La- Lauren you and know, your lunch and, meat and your lunch meat. <laughs> do, do you remember the coop? The chicken joint? See, I wasn't there until I was oh. like, I think the first time I went to the Q Mart, I was like 16 or 17. Oh, that's petrifying. Just, My parents literally the... did not take me there because they were afraid I would like it too much. See, that makes a lot of sense, though, because it is a wonderful <laughs> place, full of full of whimsy and and, uh, plus, and wonder. Plus, my grandparents lived like five minutes away. Oh my god, you had grandparents in the backyard of the Q Mart and you weren't even allowed to go? Yeah, that's why we didn't oh. go, I think, because they were like, no, you're going to ask to go every time we go <laughs> up there. <laughs> and Which is fair, wanna... I probably would have. I'm not, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> not denying that I wouldn't have done that. but <laughs> Look, there is there is a great uh, time to be had at a Q Mart, folks, but you never wanted to be one of the Q Mart kids, okay? There's, there's a distinct difference in enjoying the Q Mart for all its wonder, and uh, being a Q Mart kid, you know, you did not want to be that. Okay, it's, just as uh... we, just as we <laughs> tiered watching sports and the ones at the top that you have to watch in the NASCAR. There's tiers. There's there's at the very top. We got the <laughs> Toys R Us kids, and then like yep. NASCAR yep. level is, is Q Mart. hundred <laughs> percent. The NASCAR, the sport is Q Mart. The shopping area. <laughs> Those are one and the same. If you want to learn any everything about NASCAR, the Q Mart is the place to go. <laughs> yeah, it's where people get their uh, uh, their Jeff Gordon towels. Everybody yeah. knew a kid that had a Jeff Gordon towel. Yeah. Also, just uh, so we're clear, Quakertown Farmers Market is what the Q Mart is. I'm, oh I'm yes, not, yeah. I realized we hadn't said the full name, so people are probably super confused. Quakertown Farmers Market is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is for a very um, niche crowd, this uh, mm. this entire segment about the Q-Mart. And we're sorry if you don't know what it is, because I, I wish you could find out. It's a great place to be. However, in all the talkings about NASCAR and the Q-Mart and all that jazz, and the Q-Mart is unfortunately not going to get any sort of Netflix boost anytime soon, which is unfortunate. But what has got a Netflix boost, and which we will be talking about after we talk about the most recent golfing, PGA Tour folks. That's right. There was golf this weekend. After all, it was the Honda Classic, one of the unsung heroes of logos on the PGA Tour. One of the cleanest logos there is. Would love that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Hate that the uh, event matters not a single bit. So the unfortunate yeah. part of the Honda Classic is that it is smack dab between the big events of the year. We already talked about the Phoenix open and the Genesis being so the, the, one of those 20 marquee events throughout the season that are non majors, right? Where the big money is where the guys are going to come out to make the big money. 
which is a great concept. We talked about it. We liked it, everything like that. The only unfortunate bit is that so is the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and there is one tournament between all four of those that isn't a marquee event, and that is the Honda Classic. Now, we'll kind of talk about that after we talk about what happened at the Honda Classic, but for those of you that were kind of wondering why the field was so slim, that is because there were two marquee events that just happened, a one-week break, a.k.a. the Honda Classic, and then the Arnold Palmer. So mm-hmm. your bigger names are probably going to take the week off and not going to take the time to to go play the Honda Classic because they want to be ready for the Arnie Palmy. Arnie Palmy alert! Arnie um, Palmy alert. <laughs> it's Christina! <laughs> You're my house! Get my wife's name right! Christina! <laughs> uh, funny enough, another Chris actually wound up winning the Honda Classic. Chris Kirk... Uh, who hasn't won a PGA Tour event in uh, since 2015 when he won the Charles Schwab, ends up getting the win after almost blowing the entire thing on 18 when he uh, hit his second shot all the way on the rock wall into the water uh, and had to go to a playoff with Tour rookie Eric Cole. Um, it was a one, uh, one-off one playoff. They played one hole, and uh, Chris Kirk was able to birdie the hole where eric cole only parted uh cole uh finally showed some nerves when he blasted his chip shot past the pin leading to a par uh that got them into the playoffs so there was a playoff it was exciting unfortunately chris kirk and eric cole aren't very like uh household names i would say uh one being a rookie one being a you know kind of grizzled pj tour vet don't get me wrong but hasn't won since 2015. Now, what is cool is actually Chris Kirk's story. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to speak a little bit longer here. There are a couple paragraphs on this, but I feel like this is this is nice to share because, you know, these are the kind of stories that we like to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was less than four years ago in May 2019 that Chris Kirk actually took an extended leave of absence from the PGA Tour to focus on his mental health. Excuse me. At the time, Kirk said he had been dealing with alcoholism, anxiety, and depression for quite a while. He made the announcement the day before his 34th 34th birthday. The four-time PGA Tour winner didn't return to competition for more than six months. Uh, Kirk said he had been sober ever since, quote, I I owe everything that I have to my entire life to my sobriety. I wouldn't be doing this for a living anymore. I probably wouldn't have a family that I have currently anymore. I came really close to losing everything that I cared about. So... That's a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always get to hear that side of a PGA Tour winner's um, story because usually, you know, when you're talking about your PGA Tour winners, you're talking about your upper echelon guys who pretty much have everything they want and they're like th- these perfect porcelain uh, doll people that just yeah. could do no wrong. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of story where, like, this is just like a normal human being who went through some horrible mental health problems with depression, anxiety, ended up leaning into alcohol and other, you know, various things and and getting in, in, in a situation there where he had to take a leave of absence from his career. And now he's back and he's able to get a win again on the tour and uh, win for the fifth time on tour in his career. Uh, that's just a really cool story. And I thought that was something that was super cool to highlight. Um, uh, unfortunately, it came in kind of a uh, smaller tournament, but that's not something that he could he could help at all um <clears throat> a win's a win a win is a win and 
for all it's worth, he is 37 years old and he is ranked number 32 in the official world golf rankings. Now, are there mm-hmm. a lot of names missing on the official world golf rankings? Yes. We don't really have to get into that. We know the reason why, even though we are probably going to talk about it later in this episode. Um, but good for him, you know, just kind of being able to get back in the winner's circle after being on tour for quite some time now, uh, going on his, I believe, um, yeah, his fifth or sixth year on tour. He's been doing it for quite a while now. He's 37 years old, and that's obviously, that's not when he turned pro. That's just when he got to the PGA Tour. He's been doing this for much longer than that. So good for Chris Kirk to get back in the winner's circle. And, hey, I, what, what Eric Cole was able to do, rookie, and get there to a playoff and, you know, oh, yeah. try and force a pretty grizzled guy into, into you know, losing, good on him. We like seeing that from the rookies. That's good stuff. Uh, but I want to ask you, Rick. Painful yeah. way to finish, though. Painful. Painful, painful, painful. Man, that one hurt. The the oh, I had a uh, I did a little bit of pitch and putt on uh Sunday with uh Tom and oh, Colin yeah. from Hack Across America, and I had a putt that did a full three sixty and hung on the edge for just a second and fell in. Oh, it was so stressful. Oh. Uh, but it happened, and that's kind of what it reminds me of because. I mean, except mine went in because I'm better. Yeah, but except for what? that yours didn't <laughs> stay out to not win a PGA Tour event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me me singing a, a putt on the sixth hole at a pitch and putt course is definitely definitely higher pressure than different, but still event. same same. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Cole ended up putting a putt just just so ever close. To yeah, birdieing and pushing outside. it to another playoff hole. Uh, it ended up lipping out and kind of rolling off about an inch to the left there. So that's that one hurts. That one definitely hurts. But second place in your rookie year, getting that kind of money and pretty much ensuring that you're going to get your tour card next year. Always good to do. Mm-hmm. Um, can't ever discount a guy for being able to do that in his rookie year. But I wanted to ask you, Rick, mm-hmm. with this week field, even though that there was a fun playoff to watch, which is great. What is your first reaction to this small event sandwiched between the larger events? It's, it's, I don't, I don't know. Cause in a way it's nice. Cause it gives a guy like, like a uh, Chris Kirk, a chance to win. Right. Which obviously we're not going to try to prevent people from winning. Um, but at the same time, we've talked about it before. There's just too many events on the PGA tour. And this seems like one of those events that you could cut and no one would miss it. Yeah. Yeah. So hundred percent, I don't know. But at the same time, like if I'm a golfer, if it's not one of the four majors or the PGA, I don't care what tournament it is. I'm just happy to get a win. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's one of those things where like you can look at it from a million different angles and it's just going to lead us back to the same spot of, well, we might as well keep it because it helps some people. It is neutral for some people. It doesn't really hurt anyone kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. it's yeah. tough. Cause like you said, you. you, like you said, it's a smaller tournament sandwiched in between bigger events. And especially with how spoiled we were last year with all of the events surrounding this one with Scotty being on his insane tear and winning the, the waste management and winning the Arnold Palmer 
like it was exciting. It was really exciting to watch last year. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you who won this event last year because I was solely focused on uh, the Arnold Palmer whenever it is in the next week or two. Um, do you remember who won this last year? I'm about to look it up. Okay. Because I, I don't remember. It might have been. If it was Scotty, then I don't, I don't know. But I don't think Let's it was. Let's see. I don't believe it was. Um Season 2021, 2022. Here we go. Seb Straka. Yeah, wouldn't have, for the life of me, would not have been able to tell you that. You could give me 50 yeah, guesses. Maybe. I wouldn't have gotten it. Um, but yeah, again, like we were so spoiled with everything around it last year. Uh, this year, we've had a lot of really good storylines with John Rahm playing where the way he's playing. Scotty's still keeping up. Um, just having all these big names playing really well. This, this event with the biggest name being uh i don't even know who the biggest name was it Shane lowry probably, Shane lowry, probably yeah take a like, shot in the dark yeah yeah like that's probably the biggest name uh it just kind of falls through the cracks it doesn't really get a lot of attention um so yeah i don't know i'm I'm excited for the bigger events that's kind of what i'm here for uh i'm 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 kind of early on this i think but i'm kind of gearing up for master's week in my head oh yeah that's what I'm really, I'm really like focused on that. I'll watch the Arnold Palmer because that's a fun event to watch, uh, and it'll be fun to watch Scotty try to defend there. But besides the Arnold Palmer, I don't really think there's any events that I'm really excited for until the Masters. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of look at the schedule. You have the Arnold Palmer, the famous curse of a golf uh, tournament, the Puerto Rico Open. Yeah. Um, stay away from winning that. You do have the players, uh, in the middle of March. Oh, I which forgot that always... was in the middle of March. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have the players, which is in the middle of March. That's always a good one to watch. That's one of the marquee events. There's big money in that one. But really, other than that, the Valspar, the um, the Punta Cana Resort Champion, the Valero, and the Masters. Really, the only three marquee events to really gear yourself up for are the Honor Palmer, the players, and uh, the Masters. However, the, well, the match Valero, play Texas, too. And the match play, yes. The match play is always a good time to watch. Um, but really the only other like bigger event, excuse me, that I can think of before the masters is probably the Valero Texas open because that's everybody's warm up. Like guys that have taken the last two weeks off, they're like, all right, I'm going to play the Valero. I'm going to go to a TPC course. One of the better yeah. ones in San Antonio, uh, hopefully win that big ass truck that they give out. Cause that's super cool. Yeah. And then go off to the masters, you know? Um, so those are really the, the marquee events. It's just there are going to be those events throughout the year that you're like, ah, I wish there was more because it's just a smaller event and it's sandwiched between massive events with huge money. And just there's not going to be a lot of the top guys that yeah. play the Honda Classic. And like I said, it's really unfortunate because I the course looked great. It was in Florida. It's really hard to beat a golf course in Florida. True. And, you know damn it that logo is cool i stand by it that's a cool looking logo um i'm glad they just didn't slap a honda logo on there and go yeah that's a that's a golf tournament right there um you mean like the bmw like the bmw they can do so much more with that and they just choose not to and i'm still mad about it um but i digress it's cool to see chris kirk be able to to get there and get a get a win, and at this point in the season, that rockets him into sixth place in the FedEx Cup points. Is he going to stay there? Probably not. But does that win almost solidify him to at least have a chance to compete for the FedEx Cup? Absolutely. 
I think it gives him a good chance to be in the top 50 at least. Yeah, and then even he could be in the top 75 that, you know, gets to actually make the uh, the original event or the top 70, I mean. Uh, that could definitely get him into the top 70. I mean, you look at the top, uh, the 70, 70th guy right now, 255 points. He's already got that dude beat by double. So, yeah. you know, as the season progresses, you really can't see him doing any less that would push him out of the top 70. So, you know, we you always you kind of say it, but you don't, you know, you you don't really say it, but you kind of think it. Usually a win during the season pretty much stamps your your uh your availability for the FedEx Cup uh, tournament, which is which is great. So yeah. good for Chris Kirk and getting that win and being able to to have that kind of ability later on in the season. Uh, we'll see how it goes for him uh, later on. Maybe he gets a little bit of confidence and and starts playing uh, in some bigger tournaments and starts getting better. So uh, also he gar- he's guaranteed to play in next year's tournament of champions, and that's always a fun event because that course is awesome. So that that'll be cool for him, but. Really, unfo- really kind of unfortunate with uh, where the Honda Classic falls in the season. But, you know, it is what it is. But we were talking earlier about uh, sports that can get a bump from a Netflix documentary. And you could for sure consider golf to be one of those sports. As the full swing documentary has now been out since uh, the 15th. So it's been out for about 12 days now. For those of you that haven't totally finished it, um, I just finished it today. I believe Rick is at about episode five. Yeah, man, um, I'm about to start episode five. Yeah, so we're going to do our reactions as of right now to the show, some of our favorite parts, some of our least favorite parts, um, and and really just kind of react to how the entire thing we felt, um, how it was done. So uh, initial reaction to the whole thing. I know you're only about halfway through, but initial reaction to how the filming is. Uh, did they choose the right guys? Do you think that they got enough you know, cool content for this to be appealing to non-golf fans, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think they've done as close to perfect as you can at this point, uh, as far as everything goes. The production of it, the people they chose, uh, the content that they've gotten, I think they've done a really good job of bringing up topics that are relatable to non-golfers. For example, the Brooks Kepka episode, where he's kind of dealing with his mental struggles, whether not not necessarily anything to the extent that Chris Kirk took time off for, um, right? But the the idea of not being able to fully focus on your life and living in the moment because you're worried about maybe maybe like for work, like people get worried about work and then they take it home with them and they can't really focus on on just living their life when they're not at work, uh, things like that, and then. The other thing too, uh, I think episode four was huge with Joel Damon because it really, it did a really good job of showing that as a professional athlete, you can be a normal person. Yeah, you can like, be a normal. Dude. Joel, Joel yeah. says in the episode, he's like, "Sorry for the spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched yet." But it's not really that much of a spoiler because it's in the in the little preview thing. He says someone's got to be the num- number seventy sixth best golfer in the world or whatever whatever number he says. Um, yeah, and I mean he's right. Someone has to. Um, could he be higher? Like people are saying, if he really put in the effort, yeah, probably because he is a good golfer. But someone does have to do it. And in the whole episode, they do a really good job of showing him 
just being a normal person, accepting the fact that he's not the best, but still putting in an effort to try that, try to get to that point. Um, but not setting his expectation too high, which I think is a, is a good, um, it's kind of a good lesson because you, you don't want to set your expectations so high that you're consistently disappointed. And I don't right. think he is because they show in the event. Um, what was it? What, what event did he win last year or not win that, that he was in the lead for the open U S open. Was that what it was? He, no, uh, he did win an event last year. Uh, no, he, it, they were showing like one of the majors. He was like, he was like tied. He was in the lead on like Saturday tied for the lead with Rory. And oh then, yeah, the, that was that, the that was the US yeah. Open. Yeah. So they're showing that, and like he, it, it, they did a good job of showing him just like, just being excited about of where he's at, kind of thing, and not not putting himself under too much pressure to make sure that he wins that event, and just enjoying his career and his life, kind of thing. Um, and I think that's like they're doing a really good job of portraying these golfers as normal people and relatable people which is really good for the game of golf because people are going to watch it and be like, Oh, like I am like this golfer in this way. And it might make people want to go out and golf. Right. Right. And uh, we're going to get into like kind of our favorites and our least favorites from the, uh, from the show. Joel Damon was by far one of my favorite episodes. Mm -hmm. I thought his was killer, but yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you 100% that I think that they really nailed the choices that they made in the players to follow. Um, I think that one one of the one of the things that can make or break a show like that, especially when it comes to like a mini documentary about a sport is the the guys who choose to follow can can make or break it cuz some guys just don't have as good a, uh, of like, you yeah. know, content that they can create as others. Um so, you know, when they started out real hot with Jordan Spieth and uh, Justin Tom, that yeah. was genius. You're going to start with two of the biggest names in golf for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. They're best buddies. Yeah. You're, you're nailing that immediately, right? And then in episode two, you're like, who was one of the more controversial guys, even when he was really good? Brooks Kepka. Let's find out what's going on with him. Well, and it kind of, <clears throat> right. And then episode three, they were like, okay, big drama time. Let's get the dude with the loud pants. And who never stops talking. Let's get Ian Poulter in this. And it was it kind of followed this flow of like each episode kind of uh you know ebbed and flowed with the last one and then went into the second one. Uh I thought it was just really well produced uh from you know coming from a communications degree and and having a minor in, in uh, media studies. I thought that it was really well done uh in the way that they even put the show together from a production side. Uh, as well as the actual golf and following all the winners and stuff like that. Uh, they did. I feel like they got kind of lucky with some of the guys that were like in the hunt and the winners and stuff like that. Specifically when it came to the rookies episode, when they followed Mito Pereira, uh, Joaquin Neiman and Sahith Gala, they oh, got cool. kind of lucky that all three of those guys like had big moments throughout the year. Yeah, You know, Joaquin with the win, Sahith with being in the hunt. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was that? I forget which event that was where he almost won and ended up losing. And then Mito Pereira's absolute fall apart at the PGA. Mm-hmm. Like they all had big moments and they were following them for those yeah. moments. Like that's, you yeah, know, they that's, they got, they got it I does involve. Yeah. Yet, yeah. It does involve a certain amount of luck oh, uh, yeah. to, to have this go as well as it did. And I think they completely nailed it, which is awesome. 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 For the, uh, the people that were able to to get it done and 
and and uh, get that show to the the quality that it was. Um, but from what you've seen so far, Rick, from what you've been able to uh, to watch so far, what is what are some of your favorite moments so far from the show? Can be uh, one, can be two, could be multiple. I mean, Up my favorite episode so far is the Joel Damon one by far. Uh, right. It did kind of make me mad at the one part. Um, I don't want to spoil anything if anyone hasn't seen it yet because it's only been twelve. Yeah, years. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I am gonna put timestamps for those of you. Um, I'll, I'll probably should explain. Should have explained this beforehand, but I'll put in the description of this episode that uh, there's from this timestamp to this timestamp. There will be spoilers about the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to. Um, but okay. the one part where they're talking about respect, I'll say that. Um, right. Do you remember that part? Yes. That part kind of made me a little upset. Um, because you're all professionals. Why is there not a certain level of respect unless you're winning? You know what I mean? Um, right. And when when you watch that episode, anybody listening, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um. So that part kind of made me upset, especially because of the other three golfers that were involved in that scenario wouldn't have expected them to be bringing that up with them around. I don't know if if there's a reason that they were the ones they they had in the video when they talked about that or not. Um, right. But I don't know. I think you guys are all in the same boat. You're all professionals. Doesn't matter where you're ranked. Any of you can win any given week. Uh, there should be a certain level of respect, whether you're a five-time major winner or you've won two times at lower level events. Yeah. Are you uh, talking about the time where like, he, I believe he walks in the clubhouse and this is yeah. during the U S open when he's like yep. sharing the lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree with you. Shouldn't that take that much for you to get yeah. respect from some, from the guys that you're working with. Um, 100%. So that kind of made me upset, but as, overall the episode I thought was really good. Joel Damon's one of my favorite guys on tour again, like I said, because he's just relatable. Um, he, he knows he's not the best, but he still gives his all every time he's out there um, and doesn't get disappointed with his efforts, which is, which is uh, good to see. Uh, I did. I really liked the first episode. I thought it was a really good draw uh, with Justin Thomas and uh, Jordan right. speed. Cause like you said, best buds is, I mean, that's like why we go out and golf is to hang out it's with one our of friends. the most relatable golf things. Yeah. Of all time. Like we go out, <laughs> they go out to golf and hang out with our friends. That's why, that's why a lot of people go out golfing because it's fun to hang out with your buddies and do this sport. And mm-hmm. the first episode being two best friends that are also professional golfers is just a great draw. And for me personally, like that's, that's huge movies, TV shows, everything. Like you have to suck me in, in the first 20 minutes of the episode or movie, or I am not watching the rest of it. No matter how long it is, even like if it's an eight season TV show and you tell me it gets better season five, I don't care. I'm not making it to season five. I'm not making it to episode two. You got to draw me in right away. And I think that was like definitely one of the highlights of this is they did a really good job of just drawing you in right away and making you not want to leave. Yeah, because not only did they lead off with the like two of the biggest names in the last decade in golf, but also you nailed you nailed you nailed on the head there. Like two buddies. We all golf with our buddies, right? Mm-hmm. Let's watch these two like friends go about being professional golfers together and kind of yeah. navigate that kind of friendship, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely perfect. Uh, I agree with you. Um, one of my favorite parts was hands down the Joel Damon episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but also one of my least favorite parts, uh, for those of you that aren't, I haven't watched it yet again, like I said, if you've gotten this far and you're pissed off about spoilers, in the description of this episode, there are two timestamps 
to not listen from this to this. Okay. We warned you. That's not my fault. Uh, <laughs> on the episode title, go onto your phone, read the episode title in parentheses after the title of the episode. It goes read timestamps and parentheses. I tried. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but but one of my least favorite parts was when they talked about, you know, the the whole Joel Damon's mom thing and then him having 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 yeah. cancer. And yeah. I bought a hat immediately, by the way. It's in the mail. Uh, the the end cancer hat. I was I was an emotional mess. I began to cry. Were you drinking while like, you were watching? <laughs> I might have been. I, I, I don't. I don't need. You know. And like, damn it, that that guy got me. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and, and you know, that's like, that's one of those things where like, it's relatable. He's a human. Like, I it, like that's the the funny bit of it. And you know, it really does stand to show he probably could do a lot better if he like applied himself. But my favorite part yeah. is, is again, spoilers. I know, but this episode was so good when he's just at a house party that he's hosting. And uh, Max Holm is like, all right, man, I, I gotta, I gotta go. I think it was like he got. I think Joel got cut, and Max was uh, playing on Saturday, and it's Joel's like, oh yeah, it's just a big day tomorrow. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely that, a good episode. And, oh, how he, how he qualified for the U.S. Open while being buzzed off White Claws. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so my hero. Good. That's, that's my so hero. Good. That's so good. <laughs> that's my whole hero. Yeah. No, I love so that good. man. Um, I've heard the Tony Finau episode is good. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Tony Finau episode is incredible. Um, it's a, it, everything you love about Tony Finau, you get like the like the oh, we were correct. Gotcha. From watching that episode. Yeah. Um, it's totally perfect. So my least favorite episode, I'm only gonna speak briefly on this, was the Ian Poulter one. I couldn't stand that episode. I wasn't really a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, and and no part of it, just, yeah. yeah, it's not really anything against Ian Poulter necessarily. I just, I like, I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way with how they like, how these golfers are like basically pledging their allegiance to the PGA tour. And then a week later turning around and saying, see ya. Um, like, yeah, you know, you're leaving. Stop, stop bullshit. Um, so didn't yeah. really like that episode all that much um i just want to say one more thing about the jt and jordan spieth episode um i think one of my favorite parts so far in the series is the way they show their relationship between jt and jordan spieth and how jordan spieth deals with justin thomas being better than him right now because i think that's probably the most relatable thing that any average golfer can can compare themselves to with these with these guys like everybody goes out with a friend who's better than them and learning how to deal with the fact that they're just going to beat you every time you're out there is a huge part of having a good time while you're out there and that kind of relates back to like how joel damon is like someone's got to be the 70th best golfer in the world like you're gonna have buddies that are just better than you they're more athletic than you they've been golfing longer they just like there's a lot of things that go into it but learning how to deal with that and not letting it affect your friendship is a huge part of having fun when you're out there on Saturdays. And I think they did a really good job of showing like a good way to handle it as far as from the perspective of Jordan Spieth. Yeah. And you know, to piggyback off that concept, they, that you haven't watched this episode yet, but they go into that uh, in, in, 
detail again when it comes to uh, Joaquin Neiman and uh, Mito Pereira's relationship because okay. they're both Chilean. Okay. Um, you know, funny enough, Mito Pereira is older than Joaquin Neiman, but Mito Pereira took four years off of golf. They never explained why, but he yeah. took four years off, off of golf and Joaquin became a professional and Mito had to start from like ground zero again. Yeah. And it's like, so now Joaquin is Mito's superior, even though, you know, Joaquin's on the live tour right now or whatever, yeah. but this is before all that happened. But um, yeah, and there's just so many great parts of it that I will, I will forgive episode Ian Poulter. I'll forgive the Ian Poulter episode mm-hmm. uh, just because the rest of them are so good. Um, like, And not that it yeah. wasn't, not that it was a poorly produced episode. I just don't think that what was going on with Ian Poulter was a good enough story to make a whole episode out of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's just where I stand on that one. He was he was like never in contention in most of the tournaments. Yeah, this like year. I think I think it would have been better if they made it a Ian Poulter Brooks Kepka episode and gave Scotty his own episode. A hundred percent. Although like, I that's love how that I would have done it. Yeah, I love that they paired Brooks and Scotty together. I think that episode yeah. was done really well. But I agree. I think you could have done Brooks and Ian and like have scotty have his own episode yeah. because of just the based on had. just based on yeah. qu- like quantity of content of qu- quantity of quality content well there you go big guy yeah. how about that like yeah so like just based on that i feel like i feel like i would have done brooks and ian and scotty by himself i get why they did it the way they did it but i just don't think ian needed a whole episode to himself yeah i mean i i agree with you just because it's it never felt like it was about his golf game at any point. I feel like for most of the stories, mm-hmm. there was at least a good mix of about the golf game and about the personal life. Yeah. And for Ian, it felt like the entire episode was about his personal life and his family yeah. and what he would do for his family. Clearly, it's not be good at golf, but what would he do for his family, you know? Yeah, it was and, like a biopic almost. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so this entire portion of the episode that's about him is... Will he make the choice to go to the live tour so that he doesn't or does have the chance to be Ryder Cup captain? Which he very clearly from the start was going to live tour. Like no right, one like, was questioning that. <laughs> from the beginning of the episode, he was talking about how he's older now. He can't compete with these younger yeah. guys. You know, he's fighting to to make and money he wants to you be know? able to financially support his family. Like, no shit, you're going to live tour. Cut to yeah, the all, si- <laughs> all signs are pointing to Saudi Arabia here. Like he yeah. was going from from the get, but you know, I digress. What are you gonna do? Um, but that's really the only episode that I had a problem with. Um, God, it's hard for me to not say the Joel Damon episode is the best episode. I'll rewatch the Joel <laughs> Damon episode right now. I'll cry again. I'm fine. I, I would watch it again. I thought it was a great episode. It's a great episode, man. He's such a cool dude, and his caddy being his yeah. being his best buddy. Oh, that's perfect. Um. Every time Joel Damon cries, I cry, and I stand by that. I, I will continue that. I'm fine with this. Man, and they t- they talk about the the getting shirtless at the waste management. Him and uh-huh. Harry Higgs. There's there's one guy on tour that I would like, like I could earnestly say I think I could be friends with, and it's Joel Damon by by leaps and bounds. Like as far yeah, as like I, mean, I, I think he's truly just the believe most it, down yeah. to earth and close to normal guy. Hundred percent. Like. Even when he's golfing, like guys like Kevin Kisner, you could say like, oh, I could be friends with kids, right? 
You know, he's he's a relatively normal dude. I could be I could be friends with Kevin Kisner. However, when he's golfing, he will still turn on the focus and beat the shit out of you because yes. remember, quote unquote, for him, ain't no hobby. Joel Damon, on the other hand, ain't hell, he he might have such a bad day that you beat him. Yeah. Only problem is is he has enough good days where he's professional, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's the great part about Joel Damon. Ah, oh, what a great episode. Uh, another highlight of mine. Uh, this is not an episode you've seen. I think it's episode seven. Um, but there's a uh, no. It's actually it's it's, a, it's the final episode. Um, they talk about the open, and uh, Lou Trevino and Jack Nicklaus are golfing with Tiger and Rory in one of the uh, warm up rounds they, that they do uh, before the tournament starts. And Lou Trevino and Jack Nicklaus are arguing like the two old men from the Muppets. <laughs> They're old man arguing. It's the funniest fucking thing you ever heard. That's and they're awesome. talking about they're talking about their golf tournaments from like when they were professionals, <laughs> and you can tell it's making everyone else uncomfortable. It's, it's so glorious. It's like yeah. you two old geezers get get along, damn it! It's you're both retired now. You don't golf anymore, okay? Oh man, so good. But I think one of the things that I noticed now that I finished it, and um, you know, I'm sure that you'll notice is. They did touch on the live tour a bunch, but they didn't focus on it, which I thought was great um, because they didn't, they didn't need to, Yeah, you know, obviously, yes, it was a big story. Obviously, yes, the guys who left, left and it was a larger story. Um, part of me thinks it's because they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough time to react and set up camera crews to follow that season too. So yeah. they might not have had enough footage to actually, do a whole lot of live stuff but i think it was it was for the better to not really let that be the center focus of the entire documentary for sure um, and to kind of focus on what was actually happening in the golf world i think they did a really good job of balancing that but we are all trying to do a really good job of balancing all the hoopla and all the outside noise of the live tour uh but the live tour did have their first event this year uh this is the timestamp, folks by the way uh, welcome back to the episode for those of you that didn't want spoilers here we are um the first live event did happen at mayakoba the win going to a charles howell the third uh who gets the job done at mayakoba uh in second place was peter uline uh i gotta tell you two names of the premier golf circuit with all the biggest names in golf i am putting all of those around air quotes by the way people um, those are not the two names you expect at the top of the list. Nope. Not going to lie to you. Not when you have former <laughs> world number one, Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith in the, in the possible name list. Yeah. Cam Smith did get sixth. He came in sixth. but, uh, you ready for the list of players who, uh, were outside the top 25 of a 46 player event. Yeah. Ready for this list. Here we go. Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, former world number one, Dustin Johnson. Patrick Reed, everybody's favorite golfer, and Bubba Watson. Uh, those are six of the largest acquisitions from uh, the Live Tour outside like, of the top 25 of a 46-man event. They were like the big names that they made a big deal about. Yeah. All those people you listed. <laughs> and here they are outside of the top 50% of a less than 50-man tournament. See, I don't know. Is, 
Well, this sucks. is where this is where their argument for official world golf ranking points kind of hits a wall, right? It's yeah. situations like this. And it's only because you only have eight events in a year. If you yeah. had more events to spread out these fuck-ups, you wouldn't be able to highlight them too much. Here's the problem. You only now have seven chances to undo what you've just done in the first tournament. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like the, the reason it works on the PGA Tour is because this what happened in live this week is the Honda Classic. Not yeah. as many big names are even in the tournament, so they finish higher up where there's only eight events. These guys have to play all eight events in order to keep their contracts, I'm sure. Um, so you don't have the opportunity for them to not show up and be able to play when they feel like they're ready to play. You just have to play. Yeah. Which is one of the downsides. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the downsides to live is that you don't have the option of, I don't feel great this week. I'm going to get back at it next week. You just have to play. And then we're going to get events like this where all these big names that they, that they got from the PGA tour don't play great. And now it looks like, uh, I don't even know what word to use. It looks illegitimate as a tournament. It does. It looks weak as a tournament. You know, it looks weak on the whole aspect of what a, of what you would think tournament golf and top flight golf is, you know? Um, now, are they really trying to hammer the team aspect this year? Yeah, they're really trying to focus everybody towards the teams and not towards the players for this specific reason, by the way. Uh, because yeah. guess who was on the winning team? Uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, he was on the winning team. And, you know, so was Paul Casey. Uh, you know, two guys that you definitely know, right? They were on the winning team, the Crushers. You know, even even the... Even the last guy on the power rankings of his own team was the one that ended up winning the tournament. But hey, the team ended up winning that trophy, and those had faces that you remember. Um, so they're really trying to like have everybody gear their focus towards the teams, where last year was weird because they kind of had this ever-changing list of players. The teams were always changing because they were still bringing guys in. Now, yeah. with everybody being solidified, they're like, these are the 12 teams. These are the players. There is no more coming in. There will be no more leaving because these people are contractually obligated to play. Um, and this is how the season's going to look. Here we go. And this being the first event could not have blown up in their face more. Um, yeah. They are grabbing at straws at this point as their top five were Charles Howell, Peter Uline, Brandon Grace, Paul Casey, and Brandon Steele. That is the top five of a Honda Classic. Without Paul Casey. Without Paul Casey, because Paul Casey is actually a, a very good golfer. Yeah. Um, and outside of that were all the names that people remember and expect. Yeah. Um, those, Matthew those Wolf, first... 10. Joaquin Neiman, 11. Um, uh, let's let's see here. Um, Kevin Na, 20. Bryson DeChambeau, 24. Um, they, and then I, first... I named you all the outside of the top 25 guys. Yeah, the first five names that you listed besides Paul Casey, the other four guys don't even make a cut at the PGA Tour half the time. Yeah. And now and, they're just and... winning these events. And, they're and, in the now, top now... and man, is it cool for those guys in their career? Like that's super yeah. great for, for these dudes. Nothing but support for them. But for this this golf league to consider itself a high enough 
echelon golf league to con- be considered into gaining official world golf rank points. You yeah. cannot have these outcomes happen in an eight tournament league. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Now I do have an idea, a thought I, I do have uh, about how they could make the official world golf rankings for everybody, including the live guys and everybody could stop bitching a little bit. However, the live guys might not like it, like it too much, but here's my thought. How about we base official world golf ranking points off of placements in tournaments that have the most amount of high ranking golfers in them. So they'll like, for example, the masters and majors, those would have the most high level golfers in there. Right. Yeah. So your placement there where it is, no matter where would Uh inevitably get you more points. So like a 25th, at the Masters is going to get you more points than a 25th at the Honda Classic. Fair. However, pretty much every single live event would be pretty low point totals, even yeah. if you win it, because a win on a live event is a cut made at a major. Not even a major, really. Yeah. But you could say it's a cut like the made players, like the players. Or, yeah. 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 You know, and so, yeah, you want your official world golf ranking points? Here you go. But they're going to be based off of an actual tangible system that everybody can agree upon because the people that do the best when they're playing against the best deserve the most points and deserve to be considered a higher echelon golfer. Nothing nothing would make me happier than the Masters happening this year and not a single live golfer being in the top 25. And I think there's a serious chance that that happens because there is. 100%. Do they have a second event before the Masters? Uh, they should. They're every other week, aren't they? Yeah, I believe their next event is in Tucson, Arizona, March 17th to the 19th. And then let's see, y'all. Every three weeks, I guess. Where's the schedule? Um, schedule. They make this. A very confusing schedule to follow. And then Orlando right before the the Masters. Um, so they have they're gonna have three events. They really are gonna need one of these events to have a pretty stacked top five and winner for them to have any sort of momentum going into the Masters as a league. Because you're yeah. gonna have most of your bigger names at the Masters. Yeah. And how do you want to be represented? Do you want to be represented by every single one of your golfers? Falling flat on their face. Because there's a chance that happens because they've only played three tournaments where everybody else has played almost 12 to 15 starts. So, yeah, you know, so funny. It really it's I really think that the rubber is going to meet the road at these majors. And we're really going to like this year specifically, because last year was the first year things were kind of in motion. Still, it didn't really come come into fruition by the time the Masters was here. This is where the rubbers is going to the rubbers going to meet the road, right? You have these live guys established now in in their liveness as it was um against the PGA Tour guys. At Augusta. Let's see what you got. Yeah. You've played you played less professional golf, I've played more professional golf. You are considered one of the top players in the world. I am not. Like let's say um you know for uh, you know, let me just let me just find, let, let me look at the uh the FedEx Cup rankings. I'll just point at a name in the middle. Uh, we'll say top seventy, just you know, for for reference here. I will point at a 
Yeah, Sam Burns at 64th. You got your Sam Burns, mano a mano with your Dustin Johnsons. Yeah. Let's find out. Is Sam Burns, who is proving himself to be a top 70 player on the PGA Tour, going to perform better than a Dustin Johnson who just makes millions of millions of dollars to golf professionally eight times a year? I I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that Sam Burns would have a better performance yeah. than Dustin Johnson. And you know, it is it is what it is. We've made our we've made our peace with what the live tour is and everything like that. But I think this is really going to be the proving grounds of this year's master. I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to follow. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of really good storylines in regards to live versus PGA Tour. And honestly, I think that's a lot of what it's going to end up becoming is just live versus PGA Tour. Like, if for whatever reason, which I don't foresee this happening. Um, it ends up being a live and a PGA tour guy neck and neck down the stretch on Sunday. Like that's all it's going to be is just live versus PGA tour. It's not going to be Dustin Johnson versus Justin Thomas. It's going to be PGA versus live. That's all everyone's going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a hundred percent. I think that's probably going to be one of the main storylines and there are going to be a lot of guys that hate it. Yeah, it is one of those. I mean, Rory specifically is going to be one of those guys that just yeah hates because that's it. not what it should be. It sh- it should it should be, be golfer versus golfer for the Masters. It shouldn't be PGA Tour versus Live Tour for the Masters. We're not playing for the championship. You know what I mean? Right. But but unfortunately, that's that's probably how it's going to end up, and I I just don't foresee it being ignored. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's just, I think the kind of world that we're going to have to live in and that's just how it is. Um, but definitely going to be an interesting masters this year when it comes to that concept, no matter if we want to accept it or not, that's just going to be one of the big stories. Um, but other than the live tour, there is a very important PGA tour event coming up this week. And that is the Arnold, uh, Arnold, <laughs> the Arnie <laughs> the Palmy, <laughs> dude, the Arnie Palmy Envy, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, absolutely electric. It's another designated event. That's three designated events in the last four tournaments. Um, can wow. we stand the excitement? Who knows? They're doing it anyways. Uh, you know the deal. It's power rankings time. Rob Bolton has deemed these to be the top five. Here are his picks. Four of them make a lot of sense. One of them is a shock to me. Uh, I think you're going to know immediately who it is once you hear the other four names. Um, But here's the top five. Rick, you know the rules. Here we go. No specific order. Max Homa. Scotty Scheffler. Tyrrell Hatton. Roy McIlroy. John Rahm. This feels One like of these crap. things just doesn't belong this, here. This feels like <laughs> a crap. Tyrrell Hatton has to be five on this list. You are correct. He is okay, five. okay. It felt like it, it felt amazing, like a trick question. Though. It felt it like a amazing. trick question. It okay. would be amazing. Um, I'm gonna get <laughs> had to be. Um, so it was Homa, Scheffler, Rahm, and who else? Rory. Rory. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go Homa four, Rory three, Rom two, Scotty one. Oh, you just flipped two guys. You almost Rob and Scotty. No, you flipped Rory and Max. Oh, oh so Rory was four, enough, Max was three. Rory was four. Okay, uh, so you know this is a this is a reasonable top five, but I gotta hear 
why the hell Tyrrell Hatton is in this list. That made um, me nervous. Yeah, I know, right? Does that does not like please don't be don't put him at one. <laughs> that just that just oozes Rob Bolton trap pick. You know, yes. that just uh-huh. like he just got Rob in Bolton three for no reason. He just throws I him mean, in for, at three for no reason. He's like, he played here three years ago. Like, realistically, you kind of threw him at five for no reason, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but let's find out why. Number five, Tyrrell Hatton. He's done it at Bay Hill, including standing atop the podium in 2020. What he hasn't done is miss a cut in six tries. Rec- a record includes a T4 in his debut in 2017 and a one-shot loss last year. 15 straight cuts made worldwide upon arrival with two top 10s in 2023. Okay. All right. So clearly he's had success at this course before, and he's coming off an absolute heater. Now, I believe most of those are over on the Euro end. Let me yeah, he play, he's been playing over there a lot. Well, I mean, he, uh, he and... Um, uh, shoot what's what's his name 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 what do we got on the name tommy fleetwood do that a lot that i think yeah. they i think they like are 75 25 on the euro side to be honest with you. yeah um yes he yeah so he played at the phoenix open and the genesis invitational I actually had a t6 at the phoenix good good on him uh but the three other tournaments before that were the euro side uh t2 t7 and two out of those three so he okay. is coming off quite the heater of golf here uh playing some really solid golf so far this season um top 50 on the euro side um so i i guess i could be swayed sure it, you know he's had yeah. past success at this course before let's let's see if he can get himself an arnie palmy who knows uh let's get back into what makes sense shall we uh number four <laughs> rory mcelroy still in search of his footing in the u.s in 2023 after opening the year with a victory in dubai he's been shut out of top 25 in the last two designated events that quote-unquote drought likely ends at Bay Hill, where he's 8-for-8 eight eight with a win in 2018 among seven top 15 finishes. Arguably, you could probably put Roy McIlroy a bit higher up this list with all that kind of success at this course. Um, yeah. I understand he's kind of a little bit dry right now on, on American soil, but, I mean, having having knowledge of a course and playing it well, it's hard to beat that kind of concept. You know, that yeah. that's kind of proven time in and time out when guys just – play well on courses that continues throughout their career usually yeah um so i think you could have could argue we could be higher on this list but i digress uh number three though give me some max homa another favorite of mine to follow on tour yeah um if he closes his eyes he can pretend like he's in california uh that's the 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 way he's going every I guess um, it's the way he's going. Every state is golden, including the state of mind in three trips to Bay Hill. He's finished T 24 T 10 T 17. So he's tilted the balance of success here too. Um, and a very ethereal paragraph on that one. Yeah, that was hold. deep. Um, Talking about state think, of mind and state of being. Yeah. I think I flip flop like I did in my personal guesses for this i think i flip flop rory and max i don't hate yeah. max at four with the explanation that was just given no matter how good his state of mind is uh but i think i definitely would flip flop those just based off the success that rory's had at this course a win yeah. and eight for eight yeah that's that's huge uh um, yeah. it's like it's basically every time he's touched the grass at the oh no did his computer finally die folks we might have we might have an official official 
um, podcast moment here. Rick's laptop might have officially kicked the can. Did it happen? No, my laptop died. I was, I was, I was keeping track of it on the bottom. It told me I still had 15 minutes left until it died. Oh, okay. So it didn't, it didn't die. Die. It just ran out of battery. Okay. See, I got the folks all jazzed up that your computer finally kicked the (laughs) camera highlighting the past couple weeks. Ah, folks, that thing is, it's hard to kill the big unit. It's It's hard. Yeah. It doesn't go down easy. You know what else is, is, is hard to defeat. And that's John Rahm in the number two spot here. Uh, first sentence from Rob Bolton. All he does is win golf tournaments um, with five wins inside the last five months. He fits nicely atop the official world golf rankings, but he's also leading the tour in an array of statistical measurements that support everything you already know about him. T 17 in Bay Hill debut last year. This is his second time only playing at Bay Hill. So a little bit interested to see how that goes uh, last year. Top 25 could obviously do better this year with the way he's playing golf, but number one, and, you know, number one in our hearts, too. Scotty oh, Scheffler. Yeah. Considering he's one for one in successfully defending a title on the PGA Tour, there's no reason to doubt that he can't do it again and go two for two. He's Fair. essentially in the same kind of groove and following the same schedule that he has in advance of last year's win here. If he goes two for two on defending, come on. Yeah, come I mean, on. You can't count him out. He's a great golfer. He won here last year. He's still playing really good golf. It's not like he's fallen off at all from last year. Right. So no reason to believe he's not. I mean, I feel like top 10 is a, is a lock for this week. A hundred percent. And I feel like a win isn't, isn't too far out of the realm of possibility. A hundred percent. Got to lock that in. Um, now I would go over uh, fantasy golf stuff, uh, unfortunately, and I know he's a, he's a listener. So, Hopefully he uh, hears this. Unfortunately, the moderator of that uh, fantasy golf league, his mother suddenly passed away this weekend. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. And uh, sure. that, yeah, had, it, it really sucks. So uh, not sure when the fantasy golf stuff will get back uh, in the groove, but obviously going to let him take his time and do what yeah. he needs to do. So uh, that is put on pause for the time being, but obviously uh, I'll just keep tracking guys getting better at golf and getting other picks other than the big names that I've already wasted. So <laughs> um, we'll, we'll focus on fantasy golf a little bit later as the year goes on, but obviously the Arnold, you cannot say that name. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> Arnold Palmer invitational. The God, Arnie Palmy wait until we um, golf at Disney. Stop. Don't don't do this. Don't. Arnie Palmy alert. Arnie Palmy alert. Um, yeah, so obviously a great tournament to watch. It's one of the premier events. It's gonna be fun to to watch. Maybe we'll this will be the beginning of the John Rahm versus Scotty Scheffler season that it feels like it's kind of gearing up to be, which I'm super excited about because it's yeah, also the Ryder Cup this year. Um, so you know, I I mean, this this couldn't get any better, folks. This this is we're in a good spot. Just, Golf's it's in a, a good, good spot, spot right now. Golf's in a you know great way right now. Um, unless you have any other golf news, Rick, that's going to wrap it up for this old episode. Nope, that's it for me. All righty, folks. Thank you so much for listening again. You guys are the best. Our listens have been up recently. We very much appreciate to those of you who are sharing with your friends or listening multiple times or or just really into what we're doing. We we really appreciate it. Um, obviously follow along on Instagram at from the tips underscore pod, because 
we might have Rick doing some work putting. It, we don't know yet. <laughs> the options out there, we're not sure. Follow along the story. Uh, he'll he'll keep you updated as long as this job is right next to a golf course. Um, <laughs> also, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at FTT underscore pod. We will tweet more once there are more of you following, folks. We we would love nothing less than to come unhinged on Twitter. We just anarchy is one of Rick's favorite things to cause, and sure. when he can do it without having to speak to people, best yeah. case scenario. Yeah. Um, sure. Go ahead and follow us on both of those, and thank you so much for listening as always. And we. Thanks, guys. See you later.